You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Damaris Lewis, Sports Illustrated model, is joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. You you have great personality. You can hear it in your voice. Would you date an NBA player? I'm open to anything, but respect. Old school. Chivalry. Like, I listen to Sinatra in the morning. You need to accept that. <laughs> so I hear you're single, then. <laughs> With your host. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our first guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA? NBA with the rules the way they are. Be honest. Uh, average <laughs> We will win a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, too, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. <laughs> now it's time for the tip-off. Uh, welcome in. Hang time podcast. Seku Smith. From NBA.com's Hangtime blog. Lang Whitaker in New York. Rick Fox on the set somewhere. Where are you at, Rick? I'm in uh, Miami on the set of The Glade. Tough, tough show. life. Tough, tough life you've got, my friend. Uh, I'm just really I, – I, it's hard for me to celebrate my life, though, when <laughs> I know my man Seku's unable to celebrate uh, NCAA championship. I can hear it in your voice. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, you talk about you talk about a tough night. Monday Play night. Play taps to those suckers. My Wolverines went down, and Lang was, you know, Rick Lang was just waiting on it. He's like texting me, "You can breathe now." And you know, I, I was like, "Man, the, the, yeah. the haters come out, Rick. The haters come out." I texted you, I think, yeah. before the game. Yeah, you did. You drinks me. I knew you, you like everybody you. else in my life trying to. Jinx I didn't me. text you during the game. I let it, I let it go. I was. I waited until the game was over, and I tweeted that <laughs> I won the bragging rights for that. But uh. yeah, it was. You know what, Rick? It, it brought me back to that conversation we had a few weeks, a few podcasts ago, when you were talking about that last college game and the way it wears on you, man. I'm telling you, Ooh. I've been sick for the last. I'm literally been depressed for the last two days. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. Because you're emotionally invested, oh. man. And, and, and you didn't I even play the game. I didn't even have anything to do with it. You played. I didn't have anything right. to do with it. Now imagine the kids, and you know, they're physically, emotionally, you know, their their future, their in their minds, their careers. Uh, you know, they, that's a hard loss to take, man. And I don't know how many seniors you guys have, but none, you know, right? Well, we have five to... that didn't play. You know, like, but okay. the, the the bulk of the team obviously is the young guys. Trey Burks is sophomore. Hardaway Junior is, a, you know, is a junior. It's I mean, so. it's a Titanic feeling, man. You really, you really feel like you know you were heading out to go across, you know, the, the Atlantic. And I know. Oh. All of a sudden, you hit an iceberg, and an iceberg named Rick Pitino. Man, yeah. And you know, and then there's you know a lot of fans have looked at some of the plays and they're mad about the officiating. 
I'm as as misguided as I am when it comes to my own team and as you look through the you know, the Wolverine amazing blue colored glasses. I got to give it up to Peyton Siva and Shane Bahannon and those kids from Louisville. They played the guts out at the end of the game, and that's what you know. That's what championship teams do. So I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from them, and I'm certainly not taking anything away from, you know, uh, the pro Louisville's program and what they did. But it is, it's gut wrenching, man. It's like somebody just snatches your heart out, kicks it across the room, and they sit there looking at you, going, "You gonna pick that up?" Well, I'll tell you this: mm-hmm. watching it from the perspective, like I hadn't watched Michigan really play all season until the Final Four, mm-hmm. or Louisville for that matter. And I know Trey Burke won all those Player of the Year awards and everything, but if I had to pick one guy I'd, I would want on my NBA team, I think it would be Bahannon. Not even. That's Ch- he's like Chuck Hayes 3.0, man. I'm not. Yeah, Chuck oh Hayes is going to have a long career in the NBA. <laughs> Make yeah, a lot of money I mean, and I'm get a lot of rebounds. I don't. I don't. No offense to Ch- Chuck Hayes, but I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want a serviceable role player. If I'm picking in, a player in, in, in my, you would you would want. I want, the, I want the kid. I want, I want the kid who came some... off the bench and drop and drop. <laughs> Spike Albrecht. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I want somebody with a ceiling, and uh, and I don't say this foolishly at all. I'm serious. I think Glenn Robinson's son has the best ceiling of all those dudes. If I'm just looking at athleticism. I didn't see and that where much he from... might take his game, you know, in the future. I, I Dear, think well, during that final game, I didn't really see that much from him. To yeah. me, you know, I, I, I mean, I've watched him all year, and because um, Burke kind of dominates the ball, he does. He does. And college isn't always the the greatest indicator of what some the way we draft now. When you're yeah. drafting kids instead of twenty one and twenty two year old, you know, young men, right? Um, all you have to go on really is like what kind of growth potential you see for a guy. Um, and we're, and we're going to get into that some more. Our, our, we're definitely going to talk more about the Final Four and the draft and where all these players fit in on uh, on this episode of Hangtime Podcast. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a heck of a finish to a season that, you know, like you said, Lang, we don't watch as much college hoops, obviously, as Greg Anthony and some of these guys that we know. Because um, I, I kept hearing him say, boy, you know, this is a really crummy college season, so this championship game was a great, you know, finish, and it saved it saved the college season. It was a fabulous game, um, as far as just an up, the up and down. And right. There was a lot of good runs. Drama. Yeah, there was great runs, and you know, I mean, it was, it was a, a great game to watch. Um, I mean, it's with all due respect to basketball and college basketball in general. Can you tell how much I care? Based <laughs> on how much I'm talking. I just don't watch college basketball, man, and I feel bad about that because. I think you know there's a lot of ball basketball played the way it should be played. Right. And I think there's a lot of uh, great, great you know basketball to view. Yeah. If you watch college basketball, I just am spoiled by the seeing you know twelve guys on the floor from each team, or you know five at each time being like the best in the game, the best in the world. Right. And yeah. So it's hard. To, you know, it's hard to, to for me to stay with it because I don't see enough. Yeah. I don't see enough action that I go, wow. Right. Wish I could do that. Is that is that the biggest disconnect you think, Rick, for for people who are fans of the NBA and maybe not as big of fans of college hoops? Is that there's a Luke Hancock on somebody's team in college? There's a Spike Albrecht. Those dudes don't. I don't even know what the move, NBA equivalent would be. Yeah, they don't move the needle for me. I mean, yeah. Albrecht moved the needle because of his, you know, his, his play off the bench there, and mm-hmm. became one of the stories of the whole Final Four. But 
but I just I like great. I don't like good basketball. Yeah. I like great basketball. Yeah, I like right. to see things done by by players that, like I said, that even I can't do or haven't right. seen done. And when you watch an NBA game, there's a chance someone on the floor is going to do something that, that really makes you go, I can't believe you just did that. Yeah. And, and that's so there's an excitement level uh, or an expectation in when I watch a program that I don't have when I watch college. Oh. I don't expect to be wowed. I think and with college, there's, there's more time. There's more times than not, it's all about the coaches, as we discussed before. Right. Yeah, I don't have with I don't college, have to there's. I tune in and watch coaches. <laughs> with college, I mean, at the least, very least, there's that institutional thing where, in some in some fashion, you're, you're rooting for your memories of you know, especially if you went to that school of your time there, or when you went with your dad to the game growing up, or whatever it was. There's something that you don't really have with pro sports a lot of times. Um, and and so from that standpoint, I enjoy watching um, some college teams play some college, college football to me is I, I get pretty excited about that. But uh, I, I totally agree with you, Rick, that the, the level of play is just not what it is in the NBA. I don't like watching all these charges, um, charges and blocks, timeouts, oh, in the middle of plays, man. you know, uh, nothing against the referees, but, you know, I, I don't well, know I got how some against the referee. <laughs> I don't know how college just devolved into this whole thing of just you know who can take the most charges, basically. You can you can thank uh, Mike Shashevsky and Shane Batty and them for that. I mean, that's, yeah, that's right. that Duke. That's that Duke ball, baby. That's that Duke ball. But no, I, I agree. I mean, it's weird that we. I don't have that same sensation watching college football either. I know I'm not getting the same you know level of play. In football, but it's something about basketball. I agree, Rick. I would agree with that. I would agree with you. Football, I'm okay with college. I can watch college football. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very fine with the, the differentiation between those two. But basketball, you're right. And you know what? It, part of it might be the shift in younger. You know, the league drafting kids younger and younger and younger. Yeah. I, heard, I heard him say something interesting about the big boy from uh, Louisville, that Gord, Georgie Ding, Georgie yeah. Jane. And they were saying, well, if he was 21. If he was 19 or 20 instead of 23, he would be a lottery pick. And I'm going, huh? And I guess because he's older, that somehow drops his stock in the eyes of NBA people. And I'm going, in the league where people are bitching and moaning all the time about guys being too young and them having to develop young guys instead of getting finished products, why in the world would a guy who's older and maybe a little more polished, why would that, that, why would that be a bad thing? I don't think it would, except that I don't. I don't think Jang is a finished product, or or more polished than necessarily than any of those other guys. I guess, but I'm saying From what I saw. No, no, no. I'm not talking about him specifically. I'm just saying they, the point that his age. Well, I mean, but look at know, the Ma- the Mavericks last year drafted um, the dude. I can't remember his name now. I'm totally blanking. Uh, the the veteran who played. Oh, I mean, Crowder? Crowder. Crowder. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, there's instances where I don't think age really matters that much. Uh, but I do think there's times where if, you know, if it's, if it's between a 23 year old who needs three years and a 19 year old who needs three years, who we, you mean, it's an easy decision, I guess. But I mean, I, I understand why they would say it. I'm, but my point is in a league where you don't get six and seven, you know, you don't have four years to develop anybody. Right. A number, right. you know, first round draft pick, you don't have three years to develop. You just don't. I mean, that's it's a it's a myth. If anybody tells yeah. you people are drafting the guy in the first round, and well, we know he's a project. It's going to take a while. No, you're not. 
No, you don't. That, that's called that's called um, Darko Milicek. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that's a that's a fabrication of some of these teams' imagination that they're going to take a you know a nineteen year old kid and he's you know in three or four years, they're going to wait three or four years for him to become the player he should be. No, you're not. They, that was yeah. the case ten years ago. Yes, yes, I think it was when but, there was guys like. Uh, not even lottery picks, but first round picks on like Indy, Ebby, and all those guys who they thought, you know, well, hey, we'll take this guy and stash him for a few years, and and it didn't. Yeah. More often than not, it didn't pan out. Some guys it worked, like Jermaine O'Neal and guys like that, but there was other guys who it didn't work for. Right. That was before, and that was for all the international right. players flooded the market too, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it. I just think it's an interesting, you know, dilemma for 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 the pros. Um, because I think, you know, the way you watch the Final Four in the tournament, Rick, is the way a lot of NBA executives probably watch it. They're looking at it and going, right. man, this is, you know, what am I supposed to do with this this crew? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and I've heard scouts talk about it. It's, it's, this is weird, Lang. The scouts I know who watch, who you know, who are college scouts, they have these opinions about players that are so far above and beyond what, their general managers a lot of time and, right. and their decision makers at their franchises do. It's like, because they, they're watching them on a regular basis. So they're seeing, you know, things that they love about them and, and, you know, um, and then, you know, and then when it's draft night and decision time, the guys in charge of pulling the trigger on those picks, they don't agree with their scouts. You know what I'm saying? They don't, they're looking at it and going, well, I, I watched the kid in the right. tournament or I watched him two or three times. And I didn't see all this stuff that you saw, which brings me back to one of Lang's favorite drafts of all time. You know, when when his Hawks passed up Chris Paul and Darren Williams. Don't go there. <laughs> for Marvin Williams. You know, and I remember the GM, Billy Knight, you know, having a really different opinion on CP3 based on the two games he watched Jared Jack, you know, go at CP, CP3 when Georgia Tech and uh, Wake Forest played. So... It's just a totally different, you know, mindset between the guys who make the call on draft night and the guys who are, whose job it is to scout these guys and evaluate them leading up to draft night. Um, and that and that brings me, you know, brings us back around. I mean, we're talking Final Four and, and just basketball in general, obviously, but brings me back to our first guest here who we, we got joining the show on the Hangtime Podcast. Back again, Chris Dortch, the editor of Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. Chris, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Good, good. And we're kind of, you know, knee-deep in this conversation about the Final Four and kind of what we – our evaluations of what we saw and then kind of some projections about where some of these kids, you know, will go beyond their college careers. Um, for you, I know having – you know, you watch these kids all the way up, you know, before they get to college and then obviously into college. Who Who's the guy in the, that was at the Final Four that has the the brightest NBA future, do you think? That's a good question. I, you know, I, I think Trey Burke is a name that everybody will talk about, but in terms of the next level, he might not be ideal size. He might not be the most consistent jump shooter. Now, he can make clutch shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an interesting conversation with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. We both do a little gig for the Big Ten Network, and mm-hmm. he he thought that Mitch McGarry from Michigan had – as much pro potential as anybody that played in that tournament, not just the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And that kind of raised some eyebrows. Right. But, 
he became a man in, in the tournament, guys. His last regular season game, he picked up four fouls in eight minutes and didn't scratch. And then in the NCAAs, he averages 16 and 12 <laughs> boards. Yeah. So, you know, what's up with that? And he, he became a passer when they played Syracuse on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, John Beeline kind of inverted his offense and put not a forward or a wing player in the middle of the zone. He put Mitch McGarry, who passes for six assists. He had 18 all year. Yeah. So, you know, the guy showed some skills. I don't know if I'm ready to agree with Mike, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, he's a legitimate big who's got other skills. He's not just a banger. You know, he can shoot, he can face it up a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think the guy's got a chance. And, you know, scouts, you, I heard you talking before I came on about the scouts, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and they like to see the crucible of the NCAA tournament and how you can perform in that. Right. And certainly he didn't have a great, great game on on Monday night, and, and that was something that I predicted because of the bulk that Louisville has. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he's a guy. And then uh, Gorgie Zhang from, from Louisville, I, I think he's got some real potential for a couple of reasons. One, his height is legit. I, I, I think he's a legit 6'10 and around 250. And two, he's really developed some face-up and passing skills. So I think he could become a lot of different things at the next level because he's still a puppy in terms of, you know, his understanding of the game and, and you know, just how it's played, especially against other pros. Chris, hey, uh, Lang Whitaker here. Uh, one of the guys, to me, who, who kind of jumped out a little bit was Peyton Siva. I know he's been in college for a while, but – I thought, to me, just defensively, I mean, he seemed to never wear out, and he was on the ball constantly. Um, what, what, have, what have you heard, or what do you think about his NBA potential? It's funny, uh, Lang, during the game, uh, Patino kept saying, are you in shape? Are you in shape? <laughs> and, and what it was is, like, you know, hey, uh, this is the last game you're ever going to play. You need to get it on. And he also kept asking him, do you know the plays? <laughs> and, and, and the implication was, Okay, you know the plays, you call them. And what happened was, guys, he won the game for Louisville yes. because he called his own number a little bit because uh, he had Spike Albrecht on him. I think if, if John Beeline made one mistake in that game, uh, Spike had such a great first half offensively, Trey Burke was in a little bit of foul trouble. He might have gone to the well too often with Spike in the second half in terms of the defensive matchup against Peyton Siva. And Siva was clever enough to see it and got to the rim and either scored himself or created for others. And and, uh, he showed me some things there. Now, he had a love-hate relationship with Coach Patino for four years. Mm. Uh, He was a little inconsistent. I don't think he's the best shooter around. But in terms of quickness and athleticism, I think his knowledge of the game uh, and, and of situations has improved. Obviously, it's not the greatest, or Coach Patino wouldn't have said, do you know the plays? Uh, but I, I think he's a guy that will get looked at. I, I don't know what round. I, I doubt the first, but but he's a guy, Lang, that I, I think they'll, they'll have to take a peek at because, you know, everybody needs a, a good good one, one man, a, right. a lead guard. You're talking about improvement. Who needs to stay in school? Who, thinks, who's, who may be thinking of exiting? 
Well, I, I thought I'll answer that question. It's a little late, but I thought <laughs> Cody Zeller. <laughs> he declared supposed to declare today, and, and uh, I thought maybe he should have stayed in and gotten a little stronger, maybe uh, more of a willingness to pound it. When he struggled the most, there was a game against Michigan State where they've got Derek Nix and Adrian Payne, two pretty rough and tumble bigs, and he struggled in games like that. Uh, so I kind of thought he needed to stay. <laughs> and another guy that, that went out today that I thought should have stayed is Phil Pressey, uh, the, the point guard oh, from Missouri. Missouri. Really? Wow. He's, I'll, I'll say this, and I wrote this. I think he's the most imaginative passer the SEC has seen since Pistol Pete Maravich. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he, can, he can play you in or he can play you out. Right. He had several games, UCLA being one, uh, at Tennessee was another, where Frank Haith, the, the Missouri coach, just was exasperated with him. In fact, you could read his lips. Uh, you couldn't repeat what he said on this family podcast. Uh, at the Tennessee game, he took a bad three. They were up eight and took a horrendous three that Tennessee rebounded and then ripped off about ten straight points, and Missouri lost the game. Uh, but – you know, I think his decision-making needs shoring up. Now, can he handle? Can he pass at the elite level? You bet he can. But I think he probably could have waited. And his dad, you know, obviously is Paul Pressey. He's an NBA executive. He's played in the league. Right. But apparently his father, uh, who's privy to as much feedback as anybody could have, thought, you know, he was comfortable in advising flip to go ahead and go so we'll see chris we're all all of these guys i mean there's not a guy who signs a scholarship to play college basketball whose ultimate dream isn't to play in the nba but where where do you get the right kind of advice because i mean a college coach his his charge other than john calipari his charge is to make sure he maximizes what you can bring to his program you know calipari cal goes in knowing Selling, hey, I'm going to get you to the league. But Patino took a team without a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans. They won a championship. You know what I mean? His his mission is clear at Louisville. Um, where do you get the kind of advice, the sobering, real talk advice you're going to need as a college player evaluating your prospects for a two-round draft now? Um, where where do you qu- go to get that? That's a great question, Sekou, and, and the – Ironically, uh, I believe that although a lot of coaches recoil at at the thought of mentioning the draft when a kid still has eligibility, I know because when I start my draft column for NBA.com in February, I have to pick seniors to start out with right? uh, because everybody knows it's their last year. But that said... I still believe that the college coach has the kid's best interest at heart and I think in a lot of cases is underutilized as an advisor because they're going to go straight to the NBA. And and the NBA has an advisory board that evaluates realistically uh, a kid's draft opportunities. And oftentimes the coach is the last to hear. Mm -hmm. And I I think that needs to change. I've seen it here recently. Uh, I, I deal with it all the time now uh, in getting email feedback, as I'm sure you do, from 
agents or maybe wannabes yeah. or street agents, middlemen that, that, that may not have the kid's best interest at heart. Uh, 97% of the kids that lace it up in college ball don't have a shot. Right. And I think that needs to be pointed out more. Now, I've been criticized for that stance because I'm not a one-and-done guy at all, and, and some people have taken me to task on radio shows, and they'll say, well, you can't deny a kid's right to work. Uh, I, I say, yeah, but they don't let you become a brain surgeon right out of high school. You know, they don't let you become a plumber right out of high school. There's a certain amount of schooling and training that you have to have. Mm. And if if you dismiss the NBA uh, as anything, uh, I mean, as anything less than a profession that you have to be as prepared as you would be to, to operate on some guy's brain, then you're wrong. It's the most elite athletic league in the world. And to throw kids into the mix of that and they're not ready uh, physically, they're not ready from, from a, a maturation standpoint, that's doing the kid a mister, uh, disservice. Yeah. Chris, Chris, I know we're still a couple months out from the draft, but – at this point, who is is there a consensus number one? Uh, again, I'll use the word ironic. Ironic for Nerlens Noel because he blew out his ACL, right? But not because. And I, I understand, guys, from from talking to some of my sources in in the league, the SEC, and and at Kentucky, is rehab's going well. And I don't think anybody thought that it would be any less. The kid's a hard worker. He's really smart, too. I've talked to him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, deep thinker, you know, uh, studies film of Bill Russell. That's always kind of my litmus test. I, I got on the phone with him, and I, the first question I asked was, have you ever heard of Bill Russell? And he was kind of like, yeah, come on, man, of course I have. <laughs> and it turns out he, he watched, like, ESPN Classic and stuff, DVRs him and figured out Bill Russell was the greatest shot blocker of all time because he uh, blocked him in play. And I had to invent a stat to write a story about him. I called it effective block percentage. And I wanted to see, and this is kind of sick, and I apologize, (laughs) I'm I'm a sick man. (laughs) I went back back and watched every block that he'd made. He had 102 at the time. Mm -hmm. And to see how many... Uh, were retrieved by Kentucky, and the answer was 47%. And since I invented the stat, I can say that that's off the charts. (laughs) So I wanted to compare it to something, so I went back and I I watched on Synergy, which is great, by the way. Um, I watched Anthony Davis's 180-plus last year. Again, that's kind of sick, I admit it. Uh, His effective block percentage uh, was 52%. So... Since I invented it, I'm going to say that uh, anything over 33%, which is a third, is probably okay. But if you're up 47 52%, that's unreal. Uh, so I believe that because he's got an unbelievable next-level skill, he's got a frame that could get stronger, and he's intelligent, and I believe to be of high character. I don't think that scouts will be afraid and general managers will be afraid of that knee. Uh, I think they feel like he'll rehab fine, and it would not surprise me if he was still the number one pick. Didn't um, Chris? Didn't he get injured in high school also, or, or no? I'm sorry. 
didn't he get injured in high school also, or, or am I wrong about uh, that? He didn't have a knee injury. He might have had some nagging stuff, but oh, this okay. was a this was a shock to him and Cal. Cal had never had a season-ending injury uh, during the course of a season. Now he's had kids get hurt and be out for the season in, Before, in, yeah, in pre pre summer workouts and stuff right. like that. But this was the first, hmm. and that's why everybody. Everybody was really bummed out. I mean, the Twitter sphere was uh, was loaded with people that just felt so bad for this kid. And it wasn't quite like the Kevin Ware injury, but it was, oh, it was gross to watch. And, and uh, it was a complete hyperextend. Yeah. Uh, and, and everybody felt so bad, badly, because they thought, wow, you know, who knows? But as it turns out, uh, it was an injury that in, with today's medicine and I don't know exactly how they repaired it. There's a couple of different ways they can go about it. Uh, but uh, he's doing well. So I think I think he'll still be the number one pick, and I don't think it's that much of a risk, to be honest with you. I think in, in talking to the kid and in talking to people that know him best, I believe that he'll work hard and, and he'll be as good as new. Chris, he, he, looking at last year's draft, and you see, you know, you compared him, another Kentucky player, to Anthony Anthony Davis. And uh, we see that, you know, obviously Anthony's physically struggled to stay healthy this year. It doesn't mean he won't have an upside, a bright upside in the, in, in the league in the coming years as a number one draft pick. But it's a really guard-oriented league now. Very few big men dominate, per se. Um, you look at Damon Lillard. He came, you know, out of nowhere in terms of his, rise to prominence as a, as a rookie uh, i i have to ask you you know are you drafting a guard or are you drafting a big man uh, going forward if you're if you're drafting in the league because when i look at the big men that have come out recently i think first physically they have to translate and i don't know when i look at anthony davis's frame now if i look at noel's frame Think of Odin, you know, Greg Odin back in you know a lot of these lean long you know Big men that are coming out young, that have played a ton of AAU basketball, that are now starting to have you know nagging injuries at a young age. I just don't know if they equate physically because it's a bruising game in in the NBA. No and question. Unless you're carrying unless you're carrying a certain amount of weight already that you can handle, you start packing that stuff on, and you got to go 82 games, and your body has to get adjusted to playing in the NBA. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's the wisest move. No, I, I totally agree, and and. That's kind of why I got on my soapbox a while ago. I, I think that uh, from a physical standpoint and from a mental maturation standpoint, I don't think a lot of guys are ready for the rigors of the league. And, you know, you look at a guy like Greg Oden, who's just been star-crossed. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's a reason, guys, that the NFL has an intelligent policy. Uh, you know, I think you've got to be, what, 20 or whatever. That, right. That's a big boy league. Uh, and, and why is the NBA any different? Yeah, it's not a contact port, a sport per se, but Bull. hey, wake Bull. up, guys! Basketball is a contact too. sport. Yeah. So, so I'm you know, you. Uh, and, and especially, I've talked about this at length with people in the college game, guys. Uh, scores have gotten lower. In 1994, the average score of every Division One team was 75 points a game. This year, it was right around 68. Part of it is because of all the physicality, the bumping that goes on. 
and the fact that it's almost become football on wood because strength and conditioning have gone off the charts. Every power conference school has, has got some guy that's bulking these kids up uh, for a physical brand of ball. Right. And when you're talking about the NBA, you're dealing with men. You know, you're dealing with the best athletes in the world, uh, freaks athletically and physically with their strength. And you've got to be ready for it. And you're right. I don't think a lot of these kids coming out are. I don't think Cody Zeller is. But hey, he'll be a Chris, top five you know, pick because of his potential. Hey, Chris, you know what else they're dealing with when they come into the league? They're dealing with guys like myself who aren't the freaks athletically but are skilled. But know the only way to me to get, for me to gain an advantage is to actually be, beat on you. <laughs> and the rookies and the young players, seriously, the rookies hey, you're and the trying young to keep players your job, man. They you know? haven't phys- exactly. They haven't yeah. physically grown into their bodies. I'm chopping them down like trees. Exactly. And so you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> you, at the end you of the day, you're right. They're walking into a grown man league, and I just don't know if some of these guys physically equate. And when Couldn't they're young, more. And they need a couple more years. They need a couple more years in in high school or college before they come into the pros. The difference between a freshman and a senior in in, in college physically is Tim Duncan. Like that's, exactly. That's Noel to Tim Duncan. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, and I think he's done pretty good last I checked. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And see, here's, here's a guy who, he was athletic. He was a swimmer, you know. Uh, that translates, but it helps if, if you get yourself big like he got. Yeah. And, and, and learn and understand the game like he did. Uh, so, I, you know, people try to grab for the gusto. I, I, I think that some people believe that next year's draft will be loaded and it will and maybe they wanted to get out while the getting's good i don't know yeah i, I just <clears throat> we could spend a uh, three hours you know on the we got to do it more forth. guys i know um but we listen before we let you get out of here rick's on set in miami um you know he's doing I'm his sorry, acting thing. <laughs> no he's doing his acting thing and we love it you know i mean he's been done so much different you know uh, work that is has been fantastic. Lang was joking earlier that I, I have Rick's uh, IMDb page memorized. When, <laughs> when do you get your IMDb page, Chris? I mean, in '42, the the Jackie Robinson biopic with Harrison Ford that comes out on Friday, April 12th, got a little got a nice little role in there. What, I mean, how did this come about? How'd you how'd you swing this? I, I play a sports writer. Big stretch, huh? <laughs> uh, and, and I no makeup I, I, needed. Uh, no, and, and, and they dressed me in a, a a period suit from the '40s. It it started out smelling like a barn floor, <laughs> and after three days of filming in the hot sun, it wasn't quite that good. No, I I, I sought this part. Uh-huh. There was there was an open casting call. They were looking for sports writers, and I sought this part because of the respect and admiration I have for Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always a story that intrigued me, even as a little kid. And I prepared for it, man. I read two Jackie Robinson bios, and, and uh, I wanted it. And, and if it weren't for Jackie Robinson, some of my all-time favorite players would have never got the chance. I'm talking Lou Brock. I'm talking Bob Gibson. Right. And when you delve into his history, and in just the few days I shot on this film, uh, you understand exactly what he went through. And uh, what's cool, guys, and since we're on your podcast, he actually was a good enough basketball player. Uh, he played for a team called the Los Angeles Red Devils. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, they were trying to join the, the NBL 
which uh, was merging with the NBA, which wanted a West Coast franchise. <laughs> and Jackie was a bad boy in hoops. Uh, he, he was a collegiate broad jump champion and record holder, so he could dunk it any way you wanted. Right. He led the pack. The old it wasn't called the Pac-12 at the time, but he led that league in scoring in 40 and 41. Wow. And here's a quote I dug up just for your show uh, from the Chicago Defender that described Jackie oh, yeah. as a lightning dribbler and glue-fingered ball handler. His terrific speed made it impossible for one man to hold him in check. <laughs> so I'd like to see how he did in the in your league. <laughs> Ooh. He was a, if I'm not mistaken, too, and I and I've read a little bit on Jack Robinson. He was like a four sport phenom. He, he played football, basketball. Uh, I mean, he ba- could do it all. Baseball, track. Yeah. He was also a heck of a tennis player. Uh, huh. So that's a cool part of his story. But as we were filming this, we I was part of the the scene where Pee Wee Reese came out from shortstop and put his arm around Jackie mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, there was a chorus of boos and stuff, and the, the umpire yelled at Pee Wee. And but Pee Wee says said to him uh, during that scene, and I don't know if it was Hollywood embellishment or not, but they were playing in Cincinnati, and Pee Wee was from Kentucky, and he thanked Jackie, and Jackie said, "Why are you thanking me?" And he said, "I want people to understand who I am." And what he meant by that was that that, that he was colorblind. And, and judge people by the by their character, not their color. And there's all kinds of moments like that in this film. And I was always taught to, to judge people the same way, and that's why I wanted to be in the movie. Mm. That's good stuff, man. Listen, you couldn't have picked a more timely film to be in. Coming out Friday, April 12th, 42, uh, the Jackie Robinson movie. Chris Dorch, the editor of Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. Join us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Listen, man, we, we'll talk to you again as the draft gets closer. Glad to know that we, you know, we're still on your list of preferred shows. Um, don't forget Dude, about any time, man, any time. Appreciate it, Chris. All right, guys, thanks. Take care. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Rick, Those you uh, kids stay in school. Yeah, <laughs> Rick, you, you got you, – we got to tape a message from you to these to – these, uh, Aspiring, aspiring NBA players who who have no clue at the physical beatdown they're going to take. That you you nailed some important points that I think get lost. And I, when I asked him, Lang, when I asked Chris about that, who I, I've covered colleges before. I covered colleges for seven years. So, I, and and every kid I dealt with when I was covering colleges, they all thought they were going to the NBA, no matter <laughs> if they were the last dude on the team. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to douse the dream, but no. there's some there's a a shred of reality that has to snake its way through a program. So these kids understand, man, you know, get to, like, I, I heard him talking about Russ Smith from Louisville, you know, and his dad, I guess saying, Hey, he's gone. You know, he did it. Yeah. He's, now he's gone. <sighs> Russ Smith better have a passport is all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, a lot of those dudes better, better get a passport. If you, yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't played consistently in the summer against some professional athletes, don't go jumping into the pros. Yeah. Because that, I think that saved me. I got to work out with Mike and Scotty and a bunch of Carolina players mm-hmm. in the summers. And I, I instantly, my freshman and sophomore year, realized how physical it was. Yeah. And so I wasn't delusional about what, what was, you know, about to transpire if I made it to the pros. I think a lot of guys don't get that opportunity. Yeah. You know, they live in that college bubble and they think, oh, it's the same speed, it's the same strength of, of player, it's the 
same physicality. No, you can't touch anybody in college. You come to the pros, I'm touching you. I'm, I'm banging on you for 48 minutes. <laughs> and that's a different style of play, man. Guys guys aren't prepared for that. Yeah, Rick, what do you – I mean, I saw somebody was messing with the both of us on Twitter about this. And you talk <laughs> about the physical pounding. Talk. What about your boy Metal World Peace? Coming back after, what, yeah. 12 days? 12 days after yeah. after knee surgery, Lane, did you – yeah, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, he's at the other end of the spectrum. He's a, he's a guy in his 30s, you know, who's been in the league a long time and is basically on the other side of, you know, that mountain. But, I mean, that, that physical grind, I, I don't have a problem with it because he's a grown enough man to make that decision on his own. And uh, But it, it it does make you think, like, man, what what kind of physical grind are you willing to go through to compete at that level? And is, and is it a sound decision to make when you come off of a knee surgery for a torn meniscus after 12 days? You know what? For, for me, I look, it's right in line with Matt to try and do something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he, play, he plays by his own rules. <laughs> I, I mean, he really does. He lives in his own world. <laughs> and uh, and I think, you know, if I look at they gotta they got to win. Yeah. And now, will he... I think will he eventually be able to help them at the level he's been playing at the rest of the way out? I think there's a chance he won't be because he came back too soon. Yeah. But you know, it's that chicken and the egg. There is no there is no May June without getting yeah. through these next five games. And and look, he's he's not getting younger. He's probably thinking, look, I, I made the statement back in the beginning of the summer when I said they thought we'd win seventy games. He was the one that was saying seventy games. So, you know, he, he wants to be a part of that and finish business. And so I commend him for being, uh, you know, brave enough to suit up and put things at stake and risk risk his, his career. But also there's a fine line of of it being foolish. And uh, But, you know, it's foolish if you're 22. It's not as foolish if you're 37 and it may be one of your last attempts, you know? <laughs> right. I, I just say I, I think it, what the big – the the question is, does he? It's not so much can he help the team, is it, will he hurt them? Yeah, right. You know, as long as long as he doesn't hurt them, then what's the harm in in giving it a shot? I guess. Yeah, and he um, makes a grown man decision. Like I said, that's up to yeah. him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, but it makes me think about another guy who's got a decision to make, and uh, it came out earlier this week. You know that Derrick Rose is still contemplating whether or not he's going to play this season, and I'm like, we're running out of time. You know, we're running out of regular season for him to get a, a couple of games in where he can test yeah. his knee and make sure he's ready to go. And I I wonder how this plays out if he doesn't come back um, and what that means for not only the Bulls in the playoffs this season, but for, for long term. You know, does, do you think he runs the risk of eroding the, the, the positive vibes he's built up, not with the fans because they're going to have their own decisions, you know, or don't make their own minds about it. But I'm talking about within the organization, within that locker room. Do you think he runs the risk of damaging his status or his standing with his teammates and in, in, in amongst the inner circle for the Bulls? I I don't I don't I, don't, so. I say no. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, oh, yeah. you know, it's 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 kind of is what it is. Right. Um, I I was just thinking, you know, if they end up. I think they looks like they're going to play Brooklyn right in the first round. Yeah, that's the way it's shaping yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, what what if he comes out game one and in uniform, ready, ready, ready to play? I mean, can you imagine Brooklyn having to prepare for that? 
if you're if you're the Nets. Um, I, I was that would be that would be like the best Tom Thibodeau thing of all time. Like the, the you know. So I I don't think he I don't think his whatever his legacy or whatever is is at or his rep on yeah, the team. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just a. I think that's at at stake here. Yeah, I mean it's just something weird. I, I thought, man, you know, the toughness factor for a, a guy is different. You know, some guys will fight through certain things. Other guys are gonna be more cautious, more sensitive to it. And I don't have a problem with it. You know, I think every each guy has to make his own mind up about uh, how you do it. But I just it was interesting seeing Meta come back as quickly as he did, um, and then Rose with this ongoing thing where you keep hearing about. How he's lighting it up in practice, but he, you know, is not ready to hit the floor. It's just, man, you wonder, wonder what that does. Is I don't know. Uh, very interesting. But how do you see less and less of their injured players fighting to get back quick? Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely setting the tone. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, we'll see, we'll see. It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. Greg Wagan, by the way, hope you're enjoying it, sir. Hope you're enjoying the fam and your, your lobster he's, rolls and whatever else you. He's probably right outside Rick's uh, trailer down there, <laughs> snacking on, uh, you know, snacking on chips and and drinking a mai tai or whatever you're doing down there on the beach, man. Enjoy it. But uh, in his absence, guys, the engineer himself, the man behind the glass, Jay Wall, is here to do bragging rights. By the way, woohoo! Yeah, yeah, woohoo! By the way. <laughs> there better not be a Denver Nugget uh, or Denver Nuggets, Denver Broncos, Denver anything involved or Peyton Manning, anything connected to Peyton Manning involved in bragging rights. I'm actually going to Denver next week, so it's See, all look, good. <laughs> what are you going to? What are you going to the Peyton Manning Shrine? Passing this camp. This is the Peyton Manning edition this week. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's going. To, he's going to the Manning Brothers passing. He's going, camp. <laughs> going to the Manning Passing Academy, Rick, and and he can't pass. <laughs> So, <laughs> let's go, man. What we got this week? What was, wait a minute. What was last week? What, how we how we do? All right, last week we had uh, the championship game, which didn't go the correct way. Here we go. I just had to start with that. It went the correct way for some of us. <laughs> some of some of some of you Rick Pitino lovers. Yes, I told you guys don't pick against Nate Silver. <laughs> That's the only reason I picked Louisville. That it was damn correct. Nate Silver. That man knows everything. <laughs> So last week we had OKC in Indiana. OKC won that. Seiko had OKC. Great. Rick had Indiana and Lang had OKC. Great. I got one right. Yes, sir. Then we got Chicago and Brooklyn last week. That was 92-90 for Chicago. Lang had Chicago, Rick Brooklyn, and Seiko Chicago. No, I had Brooklyn. No, I know no, I screwed no, that no, one no. up. The reverse. Yeah, I Rick, had, Rick had it right, and we I think Lang and I screwed it up. I can't believe Jarrell got this wrong. This is one of the engineer, right? Exactly. He, he's what you. This is what you call a one and done, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody had the Miz. Exactly. <laughs> With apologies to all WWE wrestlers, please don't beat us up. Blame Jarrell. <laughs> uh, right, first game this week, we got New York versus Chicago. New York uh, Knicks, Chicago. Uh. I'll take the Knicks. That's a TNT Thursday night showcase game too, huh? Yes, it is. They're rolling. Yeah, in Knicks. New York. Uh, I think it's in Chicago, I think it's but in Chicago. I'll go. yeah. Uh, let me see. Here. I don't care where it is. I'm going with the Knicks. They they're hot. They they're rocking and rolling. At, at Chicago. These are streak. Bu- the Bulls are streak busters, though. 
the streak ends <laughs> because here's why. You called it last remember time. I, remember I told you. You did. You called it. The Chicago Bulls will not let the New York Knicks shoot sweaty, uncontested three-pointers. You're right. You're right. And they will be more physical with Melo, and Melo won't go for 40. He might get 26. <laughs> You're right. You know what? I'm I'm reneging on my first pick. The Bulls are streak busters this year. I, I don't care how many people off, are hurt. You took, you, I, took, you took your hand off the chest piece. I, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm staying with Mike Woodson. I'm taking the Knicks. I mean, at some point, the, the Knicks have to figure out how to how to win when guys run out on their threes, right? Yeah. I mean, you pump fake yeah, and go around them or whatever. But I'm not picking Woody until I get my Luau Dang is going to give J.R. Smith a little more, a little more to contend with than he's been having to contend with. Yeah, as will as will Jimmy Butler. I'll tell you this. Car- so Car- Carmelo is. I, I think I just I saw this earlier. Carmelo's five games in a row with thirty five at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. L- last Nick to do that, Bernard King, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Well, here's the second game: Golden State and Lakers. Golden State versus Lakers. Golden State. State. This dude here. <laughs> This dude's classic. You're not hungry, are you? A little hungry, lunch time? <laughs> uh, that's a huge game. Huge yeah. for the Lakers. They got to have every game, basically, down the stretch. And Golden State's, I don't think they're going to roll over on them here. No, they, but they already clinched. And the, yeah, and, but they and don't want to lose that. And I think Mark, yeah. you're right. I think Mark Jackson goes in there with an attitude. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Warriors in the upset. Well, it's not really an upset. I'm going with the Warriors to spoil the party. Right. I, as much as I would like to believe that the Lakers will muster enough to to beat the Warriors, I don't think they can guard their guards. Hmm. And the only thing that would prevent them from winning that game, maybe Golden State from winning the game, would be if Mark decides to rest of Stephen Curry or not go at them big time. But I think they want them out. I think they want to play spoilers, man. Yeah. So, I think so, so I'm too. going with my Lakers live or die, die to the end, my people. <laughs> Even a, though I know Golden State's going to win, but I can't pick against my Lakers. What a fantastic position to be in if you're the Warriors. You know, two playoff trips in 19 years, and now the Lakers are on, you know, they're hanging on by a thread, and you could you could potentially deliver one of the, the, the final knockout oh. blows to keep them out of the playoffs. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna beat them by about twelve points. <laughs> they're gonna come in there and go at them. I know that I know that the the Lakers. This game is a game that probably the Golden State should win, and it looks like the Lakers have an uphill battle to make the playoffs. But I I I don't know. I just don't see them not making the playoffs. It's just such a weird thought to have the playoffs without the Lakers. Um, so I'm gonna I'll take the Lakers. Okay, Dick. That last game is gonna be Utah versus Minnesota. Monday night in Minnesota. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. It's the back to back, right? Yeah, yeah. Minnesota. I want, I want Utah. I mean, I, I want to take Utah. I want to take Utah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with the Jazz. I'm going with the Jazz. I'm going with the huh. fight in Ty Corbin's baby. <laughs> I will take. I'll take Utah. I think they're a better team. I mean, they obviously have a better record. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they're not, Minnesota's playing better right now. Yeah. And they're, at, and they're at home, and they're the Minnesota Lakers. 
formerly. They don't do the Lakers, yeah, but do it's, the Lakers it's like, a favor. It's like two days before they the season ends. Those guys are going to be thinking about going to Hawaii or wherever. So I, I'll, maybe they're going to the Bahamas. Um, so I'll, I'll take Utah. Man, I think I think Rick is trying to voodoo doll his uh, Lakers into the playoffs, Lane. <laughs> you notice that? He's trying to, <laughs> trying to voodoo his boys into the playoffs. I am going to the Bahamas in about three hours. <laughs> I was going to say, you're awful close. <laughs> I know, you, <laughs> know you're not going to let that opportunity slip by when you're that close to the crib. No, no. Um, listen, first of all, thanks to – Chris Dorch of Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook for joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. A great, great conversation. Uh, last... What did you take? What? Did you, who did you take between Utah and Minnesota? Utah. We both took Utah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Utah. Just want to make sure. No, listen, you, you win, I... man. I can't catch up. It's not like I'm going to okay. catch you. I mean, I know you're doing the math. Right? <laughs> you win. You know you win. It's as painful as it is. <laughs> I'm going to win in the postseason. I'm, I'm going to come back and we'll have a rebound in the postseason. Uh, bragging rights uh what are we gonna do next week seriously rick if the lakers don't make the playoffs i mean it's gonna I get be to say all the things i've been wanting to say about them <laughs> and i've been and I've been holding my tongue right. and, I, and, and, and think about that considering i went off on the way <laughs> i'm just saying we, we we're in for a crazy show next week the last show of the regular season of the hang time podcast next week Playoff preview. Playoff preview. You do not want to miss it. We might have Rick Fox on one of his classic rants, and you know how those go. <laughs> Stay off my lawn. <laughs> All right, fellas. We will see you next right, time guys. right here on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.